When we were teenagers, a friend of mine asked a toddler what he wanted to be when he grew up. With a bright smile and eyes full of joy, he replied that he wanted to be a puppy. We laughed. How cute. This four-year-old has no conception of growing up. A future and an occupation. He can't imagine adulthood. What we assumed was a simple and straightforward query turned out to be far beyond his capacity of understanding. We did not correct him at the time. We didn't tell him he could not be a puppy. We left him to his imagination and inexperienced conceptions. We allowed him to be a child. We asked him the question for him, to engage him and interact, not for us, not to learn about him from him, not to seriously consider his answer and hold him to it. If he had said he wanted to be an investment and retirement specialist or a software engineer, we would not have taken it any more seriously than him wanting to be a puppy. We would not have followed up in his adulthood confused, questioning as to why he was not what he told us he would be when he was four. We would not have stepped in on his behalf to correct others or purchase textbooks and book appointments to train him in investments or programming. The fact was, his whimsical view of reality was to be left alone, uninfluenced and unhampered. Perhaps if he did say something more realistic than a puppy, we would have circled back in the future, asked again, see his frame of mind and how dedicated to the idea he was. And if at 10 years old he said something completely different from what he told us at 4, we would not have been taken aback or surprised. His level of comprehension around his possibilities of his future 6 years later would have obviously developed and widened. And perhaps, if he had said the same thing he had said when he was 4, we may have taken the answer in a little more earnestly. This guy is really on to something. He was a self-aware 4-year-old to know that early and still believe it at 10. And even still, I would have no regrets in doubting that the toddler was self-aware enough to make a lifelong standing decision. Now, categorically speaking, I understand that speaking from the perspective of a heterosexual black cis male, it is required of me to tread lightly or avoid the topic of the child's gender identity altogether. But as a parent, a present and faithful father of three, I would argue that I am highly qualified to be a part of this conversation. One thing that I believe in as a parent is parenting from the perspective that your children are not you. They may look like you, come from you, they may be made from you, but they aren't you. So your faith, opinions, perspectives, morality, although likely to be influential to them via the nurturing aspect of your relationship, are not inherent. Your child is an individual. The child does not belong to you. I don't engage my children with ownership, as I referenced last season in episode 1, Obligation Relationships. The title of father does not entitle me to respect, or authority, or a positive relationship with my children. My actions create these things. The way you treat and interact with your children produce the relationship you have with them. So essentially, my children are free to do and become whatever they please, from Christianity, Islam, or atheism, progressive or conservative, same for gender and sexuality. My job is to provide health and ability, guidance and information. I need to be confident that the child I raise into an adult has the fortitude and capacity to make decisions in the future independent of me. And when they do make decisions adverse to my advice and guidance or my philosophy, I can at least trust in their ability to make that choice. 
and I would support them through it. Support. I think that's what a lot of you social justice warrior parents think you're doing with your toddler's transgender journeys, supporting your child's choices. But support without guidance is not parenting. As much as children are individuals, separate from your bias and perspective of the world, we cannot ignore two very important truths. Number one, parenting is essentially brainwash. As much as some of us may try to avoid adversely influencing them in any particular direction, it is absolutely impossible to do so. Between the things taught to them from the society around them and what they learn from you in your home, we have to accept that they have no choice but to adopt behaviors, viewpoints, and ethical standards based on their experiences. What they come in contact with, what is normal to them, will be what is normal to you. Again, your faith, your culture, your ideas of right and wrong, your concept of normal, these things will all be inherited. The child will soak you in, even when you aren't consciously teaching them. There are many versions of morality in this world. And they will inherit and believe every aspect of yours, every racist, sexist, or homophobic ideology you may unconsciously transfer to them, literally building a brain from a blank slate. Which brings me to our second truth. They need it. Not only are we all essentially brainwashing our children, but also, it's necessary. There is no continuing of consciousness without this process. The absolute best we can do in this scenario is accept these truths and attempt to be our healthiest selves for them to mimic. We need to be hyper aware and ensure our unconscious worries aren't projected into them, not to saturate them in our ignorance. A small child often does not know an image is scary until an adult says, oh no, don't look, that's bad, are you okay, are you scared? A child does not know to cry when it falls until the adult panics. They don't conceive being bad or dumb until they are told that they are. I can confidently tell you that I can convince my children of anything. What I tell them is right or wrong, what I tell them about themselves, they will wholly embrace and adopt. That is a mammoth amount of power and responsibility to have. We have a huge amount of unintentional influence over our children, and this is where it is most important to exercise restraint, not just support. We need to be a safe space to listen, a smile, and a confirmation of understanding without continuing to unintentionally plant seeds and ideas that were never there to begin with, in a mind so fragile and ultimately uninformed. We often think we are having simple conversations with our children, not realizing their capacity to understand the context of what we are saying is much lower than the inferences we are assuming. For instance, a child is bound to come across the complications of racism fairly early in life and may ask why someone is needlessly being mean to another person. A concept like racism can be broken all the way down to what? Some people don't like people who are that color? Simple enough, right? Well, guaranteed your child will simplify the statement even further. They may even attempt to relate by telling you their favorite colors in a box of crayons. You can immediately see the context and depth of your simple sentence is already lost. Too many layers of understanding and experience are needed to grasp this concept of racism. And thus, we need to be careful in what we read into when they speak to us. They may not be telling us what we put together in our minds. Sometimes, when a child says something you find alarming or worth exploring, 
The best answer is oh yeah? Why do you say that? Followed by a... Okay. Be a safe space. I believe gender identity is something that can be inherent from birth, but it can also be inherited. Normal does not exist. It's not an objective signifier. There is only what is made normal. Most gender norms in our society are frivolous. They're acted out, pretend, attributed. There are children who subtly inform their parents of their identities over time through words, through actions, through reactions, and there are parents that do a good job of monitoring, listening, with restraint, supporting their children's gender identity journey accordingly. A child may prefer certain colors, certain clothes, certain toys, and they're allowed to express that enjoyment. These are generally parents who subscribe to the concept that their children are not them. Their sons and daughters are not subject to any pre-subscribed gender normality, There are also parents who make the mistake of putting too much of themselves into their child. We have all seen this on the extreme conservative end of the spectrum. Children who inherit the parents' racism or sexism or homophobia, their fears and traumas, but it is just as damaging from the extreme progressive side as well. Enter the woke social justice warrior parent, the hashtag activist, the offended for everyone, the joiner of every cause, but seems to miss the point every time. Mr. or Miss Lost in Translation. I have seen many a parent ingratiate their toddlers in views they cannot comprehend. Over anxious. Your son picks up a purse at six years old and says, look, I'm mommy. And instead of smiling and saying, I see. The child is sat down and asked about their sexuality, immediately tossed into conversation more complex than they could possibly conceive. Every mention from the parent planting a new idea in their mind as they attempt to satisfy mom or dad's inquisition. The child does not need to be forced to choose or label. Allow them to freely demonstrate who they are and their choices. They may tell what clothes to stop buying them, what toys they want. Fulfill these needs and step back. Reserve your convoluted understanding and adult thoughts. See, these overzealous parents remind me of the white person's I have a black friend. My daughter is transgender. (laughs) In some twisted attempt to demonstrate your own allyship with the community, these children have not made a choice in the matter. They have not experienced or have understood enough in this life to make this choice, to apply this label. Removing the concept of gender norms and allowing them the freedom to embrace whatever they'd like should be enough. At five years old, my son became enamored with a bow and arrow. We made it our mission to head out and get one. A toy, of course. Him and I drove to the closest Dollarama and walked down the aisles until we found him. There was a few to choose from. I asked, which one do you want? And he responded, that one, daddy. Pointing at the large pink bow and arrow in the center. It occurred to me that this bow and arrow was to be marketed to little girls. There was a little girl on the package. The smaller green bow and arrow next to it was brandishing a young boy on its packaging. I decided in that moment not to clarify this to him. I didn't explain to him that the pink one was was not intended for boys or even ask him if he would prefer the smaller green one. I just said, all right, let's go. He bought it, brought it home, played with it ecstatically, and broke it in a couple days, as is normally the case with anything from Dollarama, and that's the end of the story. Yes, I consider my decision to be in line with my allyship and refusal to conform with erroneous gender norms, but on the flip side of that coin, 
I also consider my choice to not promote, advocate, or congratulate him about his choice, to not inflate the issue or draw attention to it, was the best decision I could make as a parent. A careful, supportive, withdrawn guidance. Let the children tell us who they are and allow their stainless minds to run free. It turns out my son thought he was choosing the biggest bow and arrow, not the pink one. And the other little boy did eventually come to the conclusion that he wouldn't be a puppy after all. I go by the name of Septo.ca, and this is the left column.